Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, and we appreciate you being with us. This segment is brought to you by Apto. This is the perfect CRM for your commercial real estate business. Visit apto.com. Today, we have an incredible show for you. We're going to call the show The Trump Effect on Economy and Commercial Real Estate. You know, we've had a lot of changes in the economy. And whether you're pro-Trump or anti-Trump, there has been a lot of changes in the tax rates. Uh, and what is it going to, what's it mean for commercial real estate? If you look at Wayne Gretzky's uh, famous line, you know, skate where the puck is going. In commercial real estate, that's what we're trying to do. While the past is interesting, we want to get an idea of the economy, the tax uh, rates, uh, the deregulations, um, immigration, uh, repatriation. There's just so much that's really going on. Well, how's it going to impact the cycle, the length of the cycle, interest rates, and our commercial real estate decision, decisions? Whether you, you use commercial real estate for your business, and most do, or you're an investor or advise those, we have a great show for you. Please welcome my first guest. It's David Kessler. David is National Director of Real Estate Industry Practice at Cone Resnick, and he's joining us on Skype. David, thanks for being with us. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. Well, David, it's really a remarkable time, is it, when you think about the potential impact on commercial real estate with all the tax changes and the deregulation, repatriation. Uh, do you expect really more uh, impact from all of this on commercial real estate than, than we've seen in, in past history? Um, I think the tax uh, code really favors commercial real estate. Um, and, you know, with repatriation in general, I think, you know, the, there's a lot of good that can uh, happen with the economy. The prediction is that uh, GDP is going to rise. But the question is, you know, at what cost and are we going to start seeing some inflation uh, because of the um, adding to the deficit? Uh, but, you know, you look at repatriation, there's hundreds of billions of dollars offshore, just Apple and Microsoft alone, uh, $250 billion and $130 billion. Uh, so with the tax rate of 15.5% to bring that cash back into the U.S., the hope is that these companies will invest in America, invest in their people. But, you know, skeptics say um, they have enough cash here in the U.S. as it is to invest. So will that really happen? We don't know. Well, that's interesting. So, you know, what do you think personally? Do you think so these companies are going to bring their money back into the U.S.? I mean, we have some reduced regulations as well, right? Yeah, I think some companies will bring the money back into the U.S. You know, I think it, it's certainly a huge plus that the corporate tax rate has been lowered from 35 percent to 21 percent. And the uh, AMT, Altman tax for corporations, which was 20 percent, has been uh, repealed altogether. So I think that's going to help, you know, companies um, generate cash and invest. We're already seeing examples of companies uh, paying their employees more um, and general good corporate citizenship from a lot of companies. I think it's really going to require corporations to invest in the economy and invest in the U.S. Um, versus, you know, skeptics that say, uh, they're just going to distribute the mo excess money to the shareholders. Um, you know, individual tax rates too, Michael, if I can um, speak a little bit about that. Yeah. Under the old law, 39.6% was the highest rate. Now we're at 37% with the highest marginal tax rate um, at 600000 for uh, married 
and 500,000 uh, for single. But some of the things changing at the individual level um, are, are pretty dramatic, such as um, interest deductions for individuals on their primary and secondary residences um, are only allowed up to 750,000 of mortgage versus a million under the prior law. And additionally, what's going to be painful for a lot of Americans is that you can no longer deduct interest on home equity loans, uh, which you you were able to under the under the prior law. Um, but I think you know with the reduction of the rate and the standard deduction is going up from thirteen thousand to twenty four thousand uh, for married couples. So you know that that's going to be a good thing um, to raise that deduction. Um, the other thing that is going to be uh, particularly difficult for individuals is the limitation on property tax deductions limited to $10,000. You know, so for if you're living in a high cost area, high cost state, you know, um, my personal uh, property taxes uh, will be limited. And I think a lot of Americans will be. And the other thing that's going to be painful is zero deduction for state and local income taxes. So whatever taxes you're paying in your state used to be deductible in your federal return, no longer. So states lobbied hard against that and uh, and did not win. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So here we are, we're late into the first quarter. Are you seeing any impact yet? So let's take repatriation and the combined impact of the lower corporate tax rate. Are you seeing your clients yet make, adjust any decisions are they hiring more? Are you seeing uh, unemployment uh, improve? Um, unemployment's, you know, at the lowest levels right now. Um, you know, it, it's uh, difficult to say whether this is having an impact um, on that. Um, but I, I, we're seeing with our clients uh, a lot of analysis that's being done. You know, which I recommend to you know all real estate owner operators. Um, you really have to do projections on your existing status um, and translate that to these new tax laws because there are going to be a lot of strategy plays. I'll give you a for instance with the pass through deduction, which is new, which is revolutionary. We haven't seen this before. Um, LLCs and partnerships and S corps, you know, which a lot of real estate is owned in LLCs and partnerships, uh, and even sole proprietorships are subject to a 20% deduction on what's known as qualified business income. Um, and you know what is qualified business income? It, it's generally um, you know all, all your income from um, your business, not including interest, dividends, capital gains. However, um, REIT dividends uh, do qualify for this 20% deductions as well as uh, publicly traded partnership income. And that deduction is passed through to the owners of the business, the uh, the partners, the members of the LLC, um, it is limited to uh, 50% of your W-2 wages of that business, or 25% of W-2 wages plus 2.5% of your tangible depreciable property. So, without getting into you know a lot of uh, calculations here, real estate entities stand to benefit because of the 2.5% um, a depreciable basis limitation there, but it's really important to note certain entities do not qualify for this, Michael, such as service companies, um, accounting, 
law, health, actuarial, performing arts, consulting, athletics, financial services, brokerage and leasing do not qualify for this. So a lot of real estate companies, Michael, are going to have income from multiple sources, some which qualify for this deduction and some which do not. So there's a lot of um, planning strategy uh, that needs to take place. Yeah, well, that's very interesting. And, you know, if you look at the reduced corporate tax rates alone, and, and, and again, we're, we're deep into the first quarter, are you seeing any impact yet on, on, uh, on real estate? Um, well, you know, there is a um, um, private equity fund that just announced that they're shifting to the corporate structure to save taxes. They were um, not in a corporate structure previously, and they're moving toward a corporate structure um, to save taxes. Um, you know, so I think, you know, we're going to see some activity like that. And, you know, obviously that's going to benefit um, capital to be able to um, invest in, in, in other in other places. You know, the lower the tax rate, theoretically, the, the more cash companies are going to have to invest. I can't say we've seen it yet because, you know, this uh, tax savings is, you know, just going to start to happen. Um, you know, we're still in the first quarter. So, you know, first quarter reporting and I think into the year when people are going to determine and budget how they're going to use their excess uh, proceeds. Um, you know, another big win for real estate we're seeing is the ability to exclude yourself out of the business interest limitations. So there's a 30 percent limitation on interest, 30% of adjustable tax income, which is basically um, EBITDA, and there's no grandfathering for 2018. Uh, so, you know, companies that are heavily leveraged potentially will have their interest deductions limited. Real estate companies can elect out of that, and, you know, for small cost, depreciation lines will be extended, you know, just a year or two um, if you make this election. But uh, real estate companies will be allowed to uh, deduct 100% of their interest expense. Bonus depreciation has increased from 50% on 20-year property, personal property, uh, to 100%. So this starts in 2017. So companies, real estate companies, are going to be able to deduct 100% of expenditures placed in service um, after. 927 2017 so that will impact the 2017 tax year um, and that's for 20 year and uh, and below property personal property so everybody should uh, take care of that okay and what about somebody who buys a building uh, in 2018 and then they do significant capex improvements to it how is that handled now tax-wise yeah, tax-wise, you know, now um, if you've got CapEx and it's considered personal property, um, you're going to be able to deduct 100% of that. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's a big, uh, a big bonus. Um, the other thing is with carried interest. Uh, that's going to impact a lot of um, uh, sponsors, general partners, fund managers. And, you know, as you know, Michael, we've talked about this before. Carried interest has been on the, um, the chopping block for a while. It did not get chopped. But what happened was it got extended the hold period to three years or more. So carried interest, um, a lot of real estate owner, operator, developers, sponsors generate a significant amount of income from 
carried interest. That's the profits interest that they're um, awarded uh, for being the general partner. You have to hold the property for three years now in order to continue with capital gain treatment. It used to be one year, and it's still one year if you are um, you know, not receiving a carried interest and uh, just have capital gain. But uh, that, that's something to be careful of, um, all our real estate owner operators, uh, because, you know, there's a lot of fix and flips out there that um, you may have a goal of holding a property for three, four, five years, but uh, market uh, dictates that you're going to sell it or an investor dictates you're going to sell it in one or two years. Uh, significant difference in taxable income to the general partner sponsor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not to the investor, but the general partner sponsor. Right. However, right. I, I do want to add that um, the capital that the sponsor invested still is subject to the one year hold versus the profits interest. Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, you may plan to hold something five years or seven years, then you may look at the cycle and see where we are in the cycle. You may see interest rates starting to rise. You may say, hey, it's, it's time to do it. Well, you should want to look at the tax implications because things have changed. And, uh, our, and one of the things that you mentioned, David, was that you may have some inflation coming our way. So that may mean the Fed will continue uh, to increase interest rates. So we're going to take a short break, but we come back and we'll get David's opinion on what will happen with interest rates and what might be the impact on commercial real estate market. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Are you a commercial real estate broker? Check out Apto, the leading web-based CRE software for managing contacts, properties, listings, and deals. Act on the information in your CRM to strengthen your relationships and grow your business. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by Arbor Crowd for institutional quality crowdfunding. Visit arborcrowd.com. Our topic today is the Trump effect on the economy and commercial real estate. My guest is David Kessler. He's National Director of Real Estate Industry Practice for Cone Resnick. And David, in the previous segment, you were talking about repatriation and, and a lot of things that are going on in the economy right now um, might tend to lead to some inflation. Uh, so what do you think about the possibility of rising rates moving forward? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I do see the Fed uh, continually um, taking the rates up. I think, uh, you know, rates obviously have been artificially low over the last, um, you know, decade, which was important and useful for, um, you know, getting us out of the recession. Uh, and it's been extremely productive for real estate activity and investment. Um, I think, you know, we're going to start to see rates tick up. We might see rates tick up, you know, as high as uh, two to 300 basis points over the next, um, you know, 12 to 18 months to 24 months. But I don't think it's going to have as dramatic of an impact to the real estate, um, you know, sector. Um, as some as some may think, you know, I think fundamentals are really strong. Um, we also are seeing an abundance of debt capital available through private equity funds and debt funds, you know, as well as you know, local banks are still very heavy into the into the real estate lending 
uh, arena as well as some of the national banks. Um, so I, I am not afraid of rates ticking up. I think rates you know, will, will continue to tick up. Right, and interest rates rising is a good sign for the economy, right? It means things are going well enough to try to normalize interest rates. But that's a pretty hefty hike that you just mentioned there. If I heard you right, uh, two to three hundred basis points. So if if you're getting a mortgage today at four, five, six, seven, maybe you're at five, six, seven percent uh, in a year or two. That's pretty. Yeah, sweet. I think I th I think we're going to see you know rates you know in the five six percent in a, in a year or two. And um, I think, you know, the Fed is indicated as such. Um, and, you know, folks would be wise to uh, lock in rates uh, now, um, especially on assumable loans. Um, but, you know, the, the uh, capital stack really is a function of the strategy for the property, you know. So if we're talking about long-term holds, um, you know, certainly lock in now. Um, we're seeing a lot of people uh, float interest rates uh, with with caps, and that makes a lot of sense also. Uh, and you know we haven't seen a lot of shakeout from the maturing CMBS. You know, last year was a big year for CMBS maturities. Um, there was very little distress uh, from a relative standpoint, and you know I think we're going to see. Uh, available capital, you know, to refinance these loans. Um, you know, some may be underwater, and um, you know, there could be some distress, but I think that provides for opportunity, you know, for for in the marketplace. Yeah, oh, those are good points. Uh, we have a couple lenders that are they're doing loans that are uh, fully amortizing for 15 or 20 years with with no balloons and no calls. And I think uh, if you think you've got you're in a rising rate environment and if you feel like uh, this cycle has been a little long in the tooth, uh, those could be some great loans if, if you can secure them at reasonable rates. And uh, you know, and as you mentioned, the outlook for commercial real estate is good. The fundamentals are good. Job growth is good. Um, and then we also have infrastructure, right? So, what do you think the real impact of infrastructure improvements are going to be? I mean, it sounds like it could be a, a lot more jobs. Yeah, I think I think there will be, and I think infrastructure is one of the uh, excuse the pun one of the Trump cards, <laughs> and you know we're going to see you know Trump is very very uh, long on infrastructure. Uh, the White House just published um, a legislative outline for rebuilding infrastructure in America. They asked Congress to act on a bill that'll stimulate 1.5 trillion dollars of new investment over 10 years. Uh, they've requested shortening the process for awards to two years or less. They're addressing uh, rural infrastructure needs, rural utilities, empowering state and local authorities. Um, the big goal is to train American workforce, strengthening ties to the workforce with college and institutions um, to really align uh, colleges and formal study with the uh, future job needs, uh, as well as technical training programs. So I think it's going to be a big boost to the economy. Um, I think, um, you know, it, it stands to be seen how this is going to be rolled out. It looks like it's going to be in the form of a, of a leveraged financing, um, where the government's going to provide awards to state and local 
communities, which will then award projects in uh, public-private uh, partnerships. You know, and they're addressing infrastructure, um, you know, transit-oriented, um, as well as um, you know, a, a airports, um, GSA-owned property to uh, sell, dispose government-owned um, uh, land and buildings. So it's wide reaching. I think what it's going to do is it's going to have a big impact on construction pricing and construction jobs, which is also going to have an impact on the rest of the real estate sector. Um, you know, and I think this really highlights the discussion on immigration policy, you know, because you look around and, you know, as you know, um, you know, there's a, a um, big uh, job demand. Uh, that the immigration population fills within the construction sector. Yeah. So you know that that's you know going to have to work its way um, to making sense as well. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this: We're talking with David Kessler with Cone Resnick, and David, if some people are concerned about how long these good times have been here, like, oh, can this really last? It's been a long cycle. When you look at these changes in the tax rates, you look at the reduced regulations. You look at repatriation. You look at the jobs that that you just described that could be coming our way. Did you kind of lengthen in, in your mind or in your crystal ball of how long these good times are going to last? How long this cycle could be? You know, kind of this great. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's a great question, and you know, one I think. Um, a lot of uh, real estate developers and fund managers are scratching their heads over as to, you know, what what should the strategy be? You know, in the stock market, uh, you know, dramatic fall over the last couple of weeks also has impacted um, the allocation plans. Um, so where are we in the cycle? You know, I think we're going to see an extended cycle. And, you know, there was only one other cycle that lasted longer than 10 years, you know, and, you know, we're coming up on our, our 10 year mark. And so there's a lot of um, concern as to as to when is the shoe going to drop. But I think real estate fundamentals are very strong. And I think that low interest rates have helped. But there's an enormous amount of capital that really wants to be invested in real estate. And some of that's foreign capital, Michael. You see a lot of foreign capital coming in as a safe haven in the US that's happy with three and a half or four percent returns because they feel very safe with their with their capital being in the US where their own economies might have a, a declining um, you know principal base to their corpus. So you know, with the uh, abundance of capital, the question is, where are we going to see opportunities? And I think, you know, we're seeing pricing become a concern in the gateway markets, and we're seeing a lot of opportunity in secondary and tertiary markets that have really strong fundamentals with job growth, with uh, um, a lot of uh, technologies that are coming on, healthcare. Um, and, you know, Salt Lake City, Seattle, Denver, we're seeing big growth in Atlanta, Raleigh, Austin, you know, Nashville, cities like that. I think we're starting to see more institutional capital thinking about those areas. And um, we're also starting to see a lot more. We don't know, you know, with the millennials, there was a big 
push to be downtown, live, work, play, um, 24-hour cities. I think we're seeing a lot of that happening in the inner suburbs or exurbs, as, as we like to say, where there's big mixed-use development. Um, you know, at some point, people um, need to raise their families. They might not want to be downtown. And I think we're going to see a lot of opportunity for building live, work, play environments in um, really vibrant, close-in suburbs. Yeah, I think that's a good tip. So I've heard some tips from you today, David. Look at uh, close-in suburbs. Uh, maybe consider some of the secondary uh, markets, tertiary markets uh, in, in some cases. Uh, go long on your financing maybe, or at least look at your rates and maybe try to lock in some rates and look at your financing uh, now. What would be a, a fourth tip from you uh, to close uh, your interview today? Um, you know, I would say now's the time to be conservative and, you know, really look at, at fundamentals in the long term. Um, I see a lot of people focusing now on um, income producing properties. Uh, so, you know, where you have a component, um, you know, that is a, a value add strategy, but still creates current income. Uh, we, you know, we see a lot of um, folks looking at, you know, and, you know, the big pension funds are starting to scratch their heads and wonder, you know, are they over allocated into the equity markets? And maybe, you know, should continue to shift more into, you know, alternatives, you know, like real estate, uh, which is which has fared pretty well um, over over the uh, the last 10 years. Yeah. It might so be, I would say caution. Yeah. So maybe a good time to adjust from equity uh, to debt, I guess, is what you're saying. Well, David, great information as usual. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you. And stay with us. We're going to have more on the Trump effect on the economy and commercial real estate right after this short break. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. With ArborCrowd, you get to invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit ArborCrowd.com. Are you a real estate agent? Hi, this is Michael Bull. Would you like consistent high income? Would you like to be the top producer in your office? Would you like to be known as the go-to broker in your market? Well, I have something for you. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Title of our show today is The Trump Effect on the Economy and Commercial Real Estate. Please welcome my next guest, Mitch Rochelle. He's real estate practice leader with PwC, and David Levitt. He's a principal with PwC as well, and they're joining me on the phone today. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Michael. Well, you guys have, thanks, that, you guys have that fantastic Emerging Trends report. And uh, you know, one of the things I think is interesting to uh, to the business people in general today is what are really people thinking since the uh, the Trump effect? You know, he's been elected. We have tax reform, uh, and I understand you've done a, a kind of a mid-year update. So, what has changed in the minds of the real estate people who uh, that you contact for emerging trends related to tax reform and, and, and their outlook? 
Yeah, so the outlook for 2018, which we're now a few months into, um, was generally positive. But we take the temperature of real estate market participants in the late summer, early fall. So given that tax reform passed uh, just before the end of the calendar year, and the economy is chugging along pretty nicely, we decided to go back to the 1,600 folks who responded to our survey last year and ask them if things have changed. So let me break it down for you this way. Um, we asked the question, has your outlook for 2018 changed? And 35% said yes, and 65% said no. So we drilled down into the folks who felt that the prospects for 2018 had changed, and 60% of them felt that it had changed for the positive, and 40% of them had felt that it had changed for the negative. And if we drill down just a little deeper, what we find is for the folks who were optimistic, 82% of that optimism was coming from the economy, while only 18% of the optimism was coming from the new tax law. The pessimists, however, which was 40% of the folks who felt that things had changed, um, cite that 77% of the uh, reason for their pessimism is rising interest rates, and 23% is coming from the political climate. So on balance, everybody is largely optimistic with uh, um, 60% of the 35%. So uh, the tax law, interestingly enough, though, was taking a backseat to the economy. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And, you know, one of the things I find interesting about those, those responses is the, the negative side and the thought being because of rising interest rates. So, but how much of this um, good news, I guess, about the economy and tax reform and everything that's happening, the stock market doing well and maybe potential inflation, I mean, how much is that just really feeding the possibility of, of rate increases? Um, I think that they're interrelated. Um, so the, the thing to watch, and you know, we'll have another CPI number coming out this week, um, the Fed, and we had Chairman Powell's testimony last week, the Fed is closely watching inflation. Their target inflation uh, level is 2%, and we're hovering right around that. And they're going to continue to raise. When you talk to real estate market participants, they are a little worried about rising interest rates. They can handle the three rate hikes um, because they sort of expect that. But anything that happens that's unexpected, I think, is going to spook the market. And let's just remember this. Interest rates are going to go up if they do go up because the economy is improving. And if we have an improving economy, and that, again, was the overwhelming reason why people were optimistic and that optimism had changed, we have an improving economy. That's good for what us real estate folks like to refer to as fundamentals. So um, I think we have a good problem with rising interest rates and not a bad problem. And David, when you look at all the things that might be considered involved in the Trump effect, um, what are the things that you think are most troubling or most exciting to real estate folks? Well, I think, Michael, as Mitch mentioned, although the happiness quotient isn't quite reflecting tax reform yet, I think that tax reform did very well by real estate, which was surprising to some. I think that once the markets absorb how much of that impact, I think that we may see a favorable offset to say, as Mitch mentioned, rising interest rates. So if you look at some of the ways that real estate made out under tax reform, particularly with respect to the ability to deduct interest, 
for businesses that are in real estate trades or businesses, um, the ability of REITs to pass through income, REIT ordinary dividends at reduced dividend withholding rates than what they otherwise were prior to tax reform. I think there's a lot of favorable changes within the bill, and I think the market is going to start to reflect that at some point. That's interesting. So one of the things that uh, changed, obviously, is the uh, rate reduction for corporations from, what, 35 down to 21 percent. So that wasn't at the top of the list of, of what excites uh, your clients and the people you work with? I, I think generally real estate professionals oftentimes organize their businesses through what we call pass-through entities, Michael, and those are entities that don't necessarily pay an entity-level tax. So for the most part, corporations haven't played that much of a prevalent role in real estate businesses itself. I think, as you mentioned, that that's a, the most drastic corporate tax rate change we've had in 40 years. We've gone down from 35 to 21 percent. There are other advantages that corporations might offer to real estate, but for right now, there was sort of a combination of one, uh, something called the pass-through deduction, which is a little bit of a misnomer, but effectively it's a situation where if you earn income through a pass-through entity, and that pass-through entity isn't involved in certain prohibited kinds of services, you can get an ordinary rate of 29.6% on that income, say from rent, versus what it was at 39.6%, the top marginal rate, and what it now is at 37%. So you have almost an 8% delta today between those two rates. You still pay tax if you put something in a corporation, and you still have those two levels of taxation. You hold something in a partnership or an S corporation, you don't have that two levels of taxation. So I don't think we see this huge trend to go into corporations. I think what we see is real estate professionals still focused on holding real estate through pass-through vehicles. Yeah, well, that makes uh, good sense. And uh, but my, you know, the taxes are real important. Obviously, very important. But sometimes in real estate decisions, that's the the tail wagging the dog. I mean, if we look at corporate. Uh, tax reductions and in these pass-through entity type of companies, might they have more money? May they? What's your expectation on employment? May we have rising uh, income from from our for employees around the world? May we have even more jobs? Uh, and that really help real estate. You think about office space, uh, and you think about you know, retail spending. The, the the thing that's interesting is there's a economic benefit on the consumer side to tax reform. So you have two things happening. One is, um, pick your uh, think tank, but 80% of Americans are getting some form of uh, tax uh, relief, which means after-tax earnings are higher. Uh, you also have the four-plus million employees that um, companies gave a special uh, bonus to. So there's more um, after-tax cash flow in the system. The question is, is the consumer going to spend that money, which would be catalytic to the economy, or are they going to save that money? We did see towards the end of the year spending going up, but we also saw credit card usage going up. And if you look in January, the savings rate has actually ticked up again, but we're still below where we had been in terms of the savings rate. So our economy is driven largely by our consumer. And the question is going to be, what's the um, consumer going to do? How is tax reform going to benefit the consumer and then the economy? On the business side of it, that's where trade kicks in, because I know, obviously, that's a rip from the headlines. But our trade deficit is one of the bigger drags on our um, 
on GDP growth. So the business investment side, we're also seeing that as well. So I think it's going to take time to figure out how businesses are going to reinvest in our economy and whether or not that's going to drive long-term GDP growth and thus creating more demand for real estate. Okay. Yeah, and I think, Mitch, you, we've seen a lot of, Michael, what we've seen in a lot of the news is, I think the journal had a front-page story related to companies engaging in stock buyback um, versus at least some of the preliminary results of the corporate rate reduction. I think the other thing to take note of, as Mitch is talking about, is that the Treasury just released a new payroll calculator last week on the IRS website, which is essentially a way that individuals could look to see how much of their wages are going to be withheld upon under the new act. And so I, I still think people need to take into account how much more money they're going to get and where that money's going to come from before we start to see the advantages of it. I think politically, Mitch, you would agree that we're going to certainly see people, particularly the Republican Party, touting the success of the bill. But I don't know if we'll really have a good handle on the metrics until for a couple of months. Yeah, no, it's certainly going to take time. And um, the the debate as to what happens with repatriated cash and what happens with uh, going from 35% to 21% and what companies do with that um, uh, after tax uh, savings uh, really remains to be seen. But I think if you parse through the political rhetoric, which is going to be hard to do as we're in a midterm election cycle, um, I think we're going to see some stimulus in the economy from it. The question is, how will the Fed respond to things like inflation as the job labor market tightens and inflation and interest rates? These are all part of the calculus that could have an impact on real estate if interest rates end up spiking, because the 10-year Treasury is moving towards 3% uh, independent of the Fed's actions. And Mitch, you mentioned that uh, the export uh, deficit uh, is a drain on GDP. So looking at it economically as an economist rather than a political view, then if these tariffs that, that on steel and aluminum, things that uh, Trump is talking about, uh, is that maybe a short-term pain for a, a long-term gain in GDP, if you look at it as an economist? Um, I think the administration's goal is to try to better balance trade around the planet. And they're starting with you know, a 25% tariff on steel and a 10% tariff on aluminum as a bit of a canary in a coal mine in terms of getting that conversation started with some of our trading partners around um, some inequities that exist. Um, our trade deficit with China is large and growing. Uh, in 2017, we had a $375 billion trade deficit um, with China, which was up 28% from 2016. So there, there's certainly an impetus on the administration's part to try to better balance trade. Um, but they're leading with um, one specific um, um, raw material in the supply chain, um, and we'll see how that uh, plays out, not only in the press, but in, in geopolitical uh, encounters. Okay. And, David, when you look at some of these um, other things that Trump is doing, like deregulation and, and Mitch, you mentioned um, repatriation, and then we also have infrastructure, right? So 
if um, if we if that if infrastructure, some of these things start up gung ho, doesn't that mean great things for the U.S. economy and real estate? I, I think the hope is, Michael, it does on its face. It's a great aspirational goal to increase infrastructure investment. And you look at the plan that was released a couple of weeks ago. But then if you kind of unfold it a little bit, the question then is, where's the money going to come from? We just cut our total revenues, $1.5 trillion, as a result of the recent tax bill. And now we're asking to raise basically an equivalent amount of money to be able to do infrastructure improvement. I think to get there, and if you look at the plan that the president released, a lot of that focus was on state and local government. And that's also coupled by a question of, We've now seen potentially population movement from some of the states that need infrastructure development the most, such as California and New York, because of reductions in the ability to deduct state and local taxes. So there's really a question. I think it's a, it's a great goal to necessarily to be able to say we're going to build infrastructure, but the question is going to be how are we actually going to pay for it? Just to pile on, um, sorry, Michael, what's interesting about paying for it is, on the one hand, we've reduced income taxes. But the pay for for infrastructure, if we are to proceed down that path, is going to be a tax on individuals, but may not be through the Internal Revenue Service, which means tolls could go up, utility charges could go up. There's the possibility and there's this discussion of consumption taxes, whether it's raising the gasoline tax, which hasn't been raised in, in a couple of decades. There's talk in some circles about a value-added tax or a different form of a national consumption tax. Um, those would be more traditional taxes, the latter. But if we realize that our power grid in this country is maybe two generations old and in desperate need of repair, if an investment's made by the private sector, even with some down payment from the federal government, that's going to find itself into the rate base, and everybody's going to be paying more for power. So uh, all of this gets, to David's point, gets paid for somehow, which is potentially a tax, uh, lowercase t, on the American economy. And the question is, does that slow down economic growth? over time. Well, Mitch, I was doing the Snoopy dance before. Now you got me feeling more like Charlie Brown, I tell you all. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Gentlemen, your final thought on the Trump effect and the economy and, and commercial real estate. I'm still, and I've always been a half full guy. <laughs> so I'm sticking with half full. And 60% of the people um, who felt that the real estate economy had improved had improved with a positive, and I'm with those people 100%. David, final thought? I, I, I believe in the 35 of the 65%, as Mitch mentioned, that I think we're in a good place. I think we're going to continue to grow. I think that we're on the right track. Great information, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. All right, Michael, thanks as thanks, always Michael. for having us. All right, well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the Trump effect on the economy and commercial real estate right after this short break. I'm Michael Ball. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit RealCrowd.com. Choose between Core, Core Plus, Value Add, 
or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. And this segment is brought to you by GetValuate.com. Check it out. It's pretty awesome online software to do investment analysis. It's GetValuate.com. Well, today we're talking about the Trump effect on the economy and commercial real estate, or we could call it the impact from the Tax Act, the Jobs Act. So um, it's been amazing, the things that have been going on, repatriation, reduced tax rates, you know, we've seen significant changes in, in the tax rates and, and the things that affect our economy in the U.S. And we've been in this cycle, this great cycle, for such a long time. What are we, nine years now? So what is the impact of all this on our commercial real estate decisions moving forward? Please welcome my guest, Adam Kamins. He is Senior Economist with Moody's Analytics, and he's joining us on the phone. Adam, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Michael. Well, let's look at this, Adam, from just a generic outlook. Is, is real estate and commercial real estate uh, a winner in all this? Absolutely. So if you think about kind of the overall impacts, there, there are some clear winners and losers. And uh, the way the final, the final bill came to pass, uh, commercial real estate really came out uh, with a number of benefits in terms of you know, the reduction in the corporate tax rate, the, uh, the maintenance of the, the 1031 exchanges, for example, all of that is very favorable to commercial real estate. Uh, you also have some specific effects where, for example, the residential market actually gets hurt a little bit by the fact that uh, property tax deductions are, are now capped, that the mortgage interest deduction is no longer as generous, that actually is going to help the multifamily market. And um, you kind of put all of that together and commercial real estate really does, does benefit uh, probably as much as sort of any aspect of the economy. Okay, and you mentioned multifamily, and that makes sense. If uh, some of the benefits of owning a home are gone, maybe it pushes a few more people uh, to rent versus purchase. And, and you mentioned the reduced tax rates uh, for corporations, which it seems like it's very significant. W what does that mean for the jobs market, you think, moving forward? Adam, is, are we gonna have even more jobs and more growth, and is that really good for the office market? Well, it's sort of an interesting dynamic right now for, for the office market especially because uh, the economy is, is in very strong position even, even before this, this bill was passed. So we, we're already probably either at or even beyond full employment. This is going to give a little extra juice to the economy, but it's actually fairly unusual for a stimulus like this for the broader economy to, to kind of take hold when you're already at full employment. So what it means is that there aren't as many workers out there as there would be during the time where you would traditionally see this sort of stimulus and this kind of you know, reduction potentially in tax rates and more money going into companies' pockets. So uh, I would expect that there'll be a little bit of a pickup in, in overall hiring. You know, there's going to be a little bit more demand, at least over the next year or two, for jobs. But what you, where I think you're really going to see an impact is there's going to be uh, even more pronounced upward pressure on wages. Uh, that you know, companies really work to find uh, to find employees. Uh, that's going to make it you know harder and harder to find kind of the appropriately skilled workers that you need, and it's going to create actually kind of additional upward pressure on on wages and some inflationary pressures as well. Wow, that's a very good point, Adam. And then when you think about that, and you look at apartments in particular, wow, that's fantastic. Especially if uh, there's a lot of construction jobs uh, created from uh, the infrastructure investment, right? That's right. Although what I would what I worry about with construction there is that 
there are already a, a number of markets, a lot of the U.S., where, where it's hard to find construction workers right now. Um, you know, and you're seeing this a lot in, in the apartment market in some faster growing parts of the country, especially kind of the south and the west where residents are being added. The, the apartment market has been on fire for most of this cycle. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's actually kind of the fact that, that there's going to be potentially kind of even more demand overall in the economy because you have this, this stimulus effect, uh, that's going to create even more demand for construction workers. They're going to be even harder to find. It's going to create probably more upward pressure on wages and construction as well. We actually, interestingly, have not seen that much uh, in terms of wage growth uh, for construction, even though it's been hard to find workers. I think that that will probably start to course correct now. There, there's going to be kind of no choice but to give to give workers wages, uh, kind of higher wages as a result. Yeah, when it makes sense, if uh, if we have even more job growth, we already have a healthy job market. If there's more job growth from these corporate tax reductions, then maybe we'll, we'll see some, I guess the employees around the country are clapping, doing the Snoopy dance <laughs> right now. <laughs> so what does that mean for uh, retail? I mean, if the employees uh, maybe have tax, reduced tax rates, and they have maybe potential uh, hikes in their income, uh, is retail a beneficiary? Uh, retail, in the short run, probably is a little bit of a beneficiary. Again, this depends a lot on which part of the country we're talking about. So uh, in states where uh, state and local taxes and property taxes are not all that high to begin with, uh, where the elimination of the, the state and local tax, the SALT deduction, uh, or not the elimination, but the cap on the, on the SALT deduction isn't as impactful, uh, then consumers are probably going to you know, have noticeably more money in their pockets, at least in the, you know, in the short run, they'll spend a little bit more. That should give a little bit of a jolt to retail. On the other hand, if you look at markets like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, places where, where, the, where tax rates are high and some of the offset that existed in the tax code is no longer going to be as generous, in places like those, I would actually expect that, you know, the benefits to retail are going to be a lot, a lot more limited in the short run. That's interesting. So there really are some winners and losers regionally, right? Yes, absolutely. I think you know some of the, the higher tax states that I mentioned, places with with high tax rates, high property values in particular. So again, this is where New York, New Jersey, Connecticut are actually among the three states uh, in in the models that we run. Those are the three that look like they they benefit the least, and in some cases actually are hurt on net by yeah. the law. Whereas in other parts of the country, we look at a lot of the South, uh, Alabama, actually, I think among all states, the one when we run it through our, our, our simulations, that looks like the one that, that, that benefits the most. Uh, but you also have uh, regions of the country like the, the Mountain West uh, and uh, other parts of the South, South states like uh, Tennessee, the Carolinas, they do pretty well as well. Yeah. We're talking with Adam Kamins, senior economist with Moody's Analytics. And so, Adam, what does all this mean for interest rate changes? I mean, I think we're all, we've been expecting interest rate hikes for years. They haven't come. Seems like now they're a little more on the table. What do you guys expect moving forward? We expect that, that they're coming now. Uh, they're, for a while, we've been, we've been waiting to see the, the Fed raise rates a bit more aggressively, uh, but the inflation pressures in the economy just haven't really been there to compel the Fed to do it. Uh, that's, that's going to change now. We, we expected that even absent this, the new law, that uh, some of these increased wages and some of the other dynamics that we've talked about that you know, had an, an effect on retail and on consumer confidence, those probably would be taking hold anyway. 
this is going to kind of turbocharge that, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on the Fed to raise rates more quickly than, than some investors are likely expecting. We've actually already seen early this year a lot of volatility on Wall Street, and a lot of that is sort of probably adapting expectations now to the fact that monetary policy is going to be a bit more hawkish over, over the next couple of years. So I would expect that we're going to see rates move kind of steadily higher. Our, our initial expectation is something along the lines of, you know, one uh, quarter point increase each quarter over the next couple of years. Uh, and, and that actually is going to offset uh, quite a bit of the benefit of this, of the, the new tax law. Uh, it's going to, right, some of the benefit in terms of more money flowing into the economy, the overall fiscal stimulus is going to be offset by, by the fact that rates will be higher. Yeah, that's interesting to contemplate interest rates in 24 months, possibly uh, being 200 basis points higher. Well, how do you think that impacts real estate cap rates or values? I think it, 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 it has an impact for sure. I think uh, cap rates have been, you know, they, they were falling for most of this cycle. They kind of had been, we've seen it start to steady already. I think the fact that you know, that, that kind of underlying uh, rates or the underlying kind of rate environment is going to grow higher, that means that, that there's going to be even more kind of upward pressure on cap rates. So I'd expect to see uh, a pickup in cap rates over the next couple of years. I think uh, prices will probably be affected, uh, maybe not immediately, but I think price growth, uh, what we're likely going to get is probably over the next year or two, kind of a, a, a pickup, kind of a reacceleration of price growth because of the short-term stimulus. But what I would then expect would be by the time we get to about 2020, 2021, where some of that you know, kind of the sugar high of this, of this tax reform bill uh, passes, you're probably going to get a bit of a correction. And I mean, this actually reflects what we expect to see in the broader overall economy, that we're going to get kind of a much more cyclical economy now, that you know, we're going to get more growth in 2018 and 2019, but uh, kind of a, a, a more noticeable slowdown in 2020, 21, and probably higher recession risks uh, early next decade. And I think that will be seen uh, in terms of, of commercial real estate prices, and especially in terms of overall deal volume, I think. Okay, and, and what did it do to your idea, Adam, of the length of the cycle? We've had good times for, what, nine years. Now you look at things that have happened in the last, gosh, six or eight months. Has that extended the length of this cycle to you? To you? What it's done is it's taken uh, where we are in the cycle currently, which is moving into the later stages of, of the business cycle. And it's, it's going to make the economy over the next year or so look like one that's probably more kind of in the middle of the cycle. Uh, but that's going to be a temporary effect. I think actually, if anything, this may shorten the cycle a little bit because what really what, what ends an expansion is the formation of imbalances in the economy. And the fact that you're going to get kind of a, a pickup in, in wage growth, uh, a pickup in property prices, uh, you actually create a little bit more of a risk of, of overheating in the economy. And, you know, that's when you can start to see some bubbles form. So I would actually expect that um, it's going to give a little bit more short-term juice, but it, it may, if anything, shorten the cycle a little bit. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I was talking to a client of ours that uh, is a young man, and uh, he's only been through one down cycle, and that was uh, 09. Um, and I was telling him that, that I didn't expect uh, the next uh, recession to be quite as severe or near as severe, really, is what I told him, than the past one. Uh, what do you think moving forward? Yeah, let's, let's hope you're right about that. <laughs> I think um, the, the Great Recession was, you know, it was, it was the worst recession since the Great Depression. And I think uh, 
people's memories of, you know, and, and expectations sometimes tend to be colored by the, you know, the last thing they experience. So when people think recession, and I, you know, I'm guilty of this too sometimes, you sort of flash back to, to 07, 08, 09. Uh, our expectation is that the next recession in all likelihood will be more of kind of, you know, a run-of-the-mill, in quotes, recession, where uh, we don't expect that we're going to see, you know, the kind of, you know, housing bubble collapse and financial market, you know, kind of meltdown that we saw uh, in 07 and 08. Um, but again, it's always, it's, it's very hard to predict uh, more than about six to 12 months out what will be the underlying cause of that next recession. But right now, when we look around in the economy, uh, we don't see anything that's sort of, you know, concerning enough and, and large enough to affect the economy. There are some sort of isolated bubbles out there. I think, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin would be one that, uh, that kind of jumps to mind. But, but these are relatively small, isolated bubbles that, that wouldn't bring down the entire economy the way, you know, the housing market did last time. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, we're going to take a short break. We get back, I want to ask Adam about his ideas, his thoughts, or maybe tips or strategies moving forward related to the use of commercial real estate or commercial real estate investment or financing your properties because, hey, we want to skate where the puck is going, right? Uh, so stay <laughs> with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull, and this segment is brought to you by Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Visit bullrealty.com. Our show today is the Trump effect on the economy and commercial real estate. And, uh, you know, it really should maybe be the Job and Tax Act impact on commercial real estate and, and all the things that Trump has been doing. My guest is Adam Kamins, and Adam is senior economist with Moody's Analytics. And, Adam, we talked to, uh, about some of the things that's changing, some of the impacts that it could have on jobs, uh, on cap rates, on interest rates and things. But what are some tips that you would leave us with, Adam, related to maybe uh, use of real estate, financing of real estate, investment, development? What do you say? Sure. Sure. I think what, when I think about kind of what this, what this means kind of more broadly and where, where the economy is going, uh, I think the the multifamily market might be you know kind of the the best opportunity that's out there right now in some sense at least as a result of kind of what's what's going on with the tax bill and and what it means for the broader economy and I say that as someone who has been watching the apartment market you know concerned that it, it looks a bit you know overvalued that its trajectory has seemed unsustainable and I think there's there's truth to that but uh, the fact that when we look at kind of, you know, how, how we're looking at the world and, and what the results of this tax law are going to be on the single family market, uh, it's going to take a little while for that to be fully capitalized into prices. But our expectation is that in, in some markets you could see, you know, prices that, that are significantly worse than they would have been absent this tax bill. We're talking in some cases, you know, 
5 to 10% lower than they would have been uh, absent the, the tax bill. And that could mean outright declines in some markets. And uh, what I think that overall, you know, kind of the overall dynamics are going to be, are going to be, you know, ones that are going to require some, some homeowners to, to rethink or potential homeowners to rethink whether they really want to enter into the home, the, the home ownership market. That, you know, the incentives, sort of the subsidies that have existed to, for homeowners are not going to be quite as strong. Uh, and that should actually have a little bit of a, of a positive impact on demand for the rental market. And we've actually seen kind of more broadly the trend has been that, you know, the home ownership rate, which has been falling for, you know, for, for many years, has kind of leveled off of late and has actually begun to creep upward a little bit. I think we might see that uh, maybe kind of begin to, to shift a little bit down again uh, as, as a result of some of the, some of the uh, changes to yeah. the tax code. Yeah, well, it makes sense, especially a lot of the stuff that you talked about on the last segment. Uh, you know, if we have additional job growth uh, from infrastructure and from corporate tax reductions, uh, it could be really good for the apartment market. Adam, is there another sector that you think was favorably impacted by all of this? I think the uh, the industrial sector could could get a, a little bit of a boost as well. Uh, you look at the what lower corporate tax rates mean, and I think you know, especially having talked about the, the tight labor market and the fact that maybe the impact on job growth is not as great as uh, some people might might be hoping for, uh, where some of that, that additional money will go is uh, towards investment in, in, in capital and machinery. Uh, and I think that, that could be a real benefit uh, to, to firms in the industrial space, whether it's manufacturers or firms in, in logistics. And, and you kind of compound that with the fact that any kind of short-term stimulus that, that puts more money in consumers' pockets and leads to more spending, uh, kind of in the old world, we would think of that as being a benefit to retail. Right. Uh, but in kind of the, the paradigm where we are now, that, that really is uh, maybe as much a benefit to industrial because, you know, many people are going to be using this extra money to make purchases on Amazon or, you know, on, on their, their favorite retailer's website. And uh, that's just going to be more and more demand for, for, you know, warehousing and other types of industrial space that, you know, I, th I think that, you know, we've already seen really, really strong growth in that area over the last few years. And I think this, this will give kind of an additional boost over the next year or two there. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, what about REITs, Adam? Uh, I know we work with a lot of REITs and, uh, and maybe a lot of our uh, listeners and viewers are actually investing in REITs. What's the impact for them? Uh, the, there are a number of, of favorable provisions for, for REITs as well in terms of kind of what the, what the law means uh, for, for, for how interest is being treated and how uh, pass-through income and, and other sort of aspects of, of income that's generated by REITs is created. So uh, generally speaking, the outlook, the outlook for REITs would, would, would look a little bit better uh, than, than it had beforehand. Okay. Adam, a closing tip for our listeners? No, I think the only thing I would sort of close with is that you know, sort of enjoy, enjoy the benefits while it lasts over these next couple of years. But I would just kind of caution everyone to sort of keep, keep a wary eye out because the, the, sort of the idea of, the, of creating all of these new jobs and investment is, is, you know, really exciting in the short run. Commercial real estate is going to really benefit in the next year or two. Uh, but the, sort of the provisions of the bill mean that um, there is kind of increased risk of, of bubbles forming, of some more frothiness kind of generally in the economy, and I think the commercial real estate market could be kind of at the center of that. So 
you know, I think the, the good times are definitely going to continue to roll and probably, you know, roll a lot more forcefully in the next year, year and a half. But, but after that, just sort of, I, I would say it probably is going to be time to be start, you know, starting to think about kind of bubble watch. Yeah, that's interesting. Adam, great information. Thanks for joining us. Of course. My pleasure, Michael. And thank you for joining us out there across the country, whether you're on iTunes or YouTube, the show website. And I think we're on about 14 different podcast sites now. We certainly appreciate you being with us. And, and if you will comment and uh, connect with us on our social media sites, you can find them all at CREshow.com. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Arbor Crowd, invest alongside real estate experts, Get Valuate, online investment analysis, Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals, by Apto, brokerage software to manage your contacts, properties, listings, and deals. CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Better serve clients, earn more commissions. Build out marketing for your brokerage. For more information on these great companies, visit CREshow.com. And you're invited to subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes and connect with us on your favorite social media.